0: I'm George Lizas, spiritual teacher, psychic healer and number one best-selling author. Growing up in a small and Christian community, I was judged and rejected for being gay and different. After a futile two-year attempt to change who I was born to be, I called myself a human abomination and almost took my own life. Fortunately, in my darkest moment I saw the light and ventured on a healing journey of love, forgiveness and spiritual awakening. Yet my dating life since hasn't always been all roses and rainbows, and my past dramas and traumas have definitely kept things spicy. Fast forward past many awkward dates and disappointing sex, I created CANT Host to challenge toxic gay stereotypes, explore the complex dynamics of gay sex and relationships, and create opportunities for healing and growth. If you're a gay guy seeking more joy, freedom and authenticity in your sex life and relationships, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Can't Host. I'm your host, George Lizos, and today we'll be talking about relationships. So we've had six episodes all about sex, mostly, now we're gonna shift the tone a little bit and we're gonna talk about manifesting a fulfilling relationship. Because let's face it, the majority of gay relationships out there are toxic as fuck. I don't know if this is just my experience or just my friend's experience, but this is what I've been witnessing. And I'm sure you've experienced some sort of a toxic relationship in your past, or you may be attracting toxic relationships all the time and are wondering, what is happening? Why can't I snap out of this? How can I manifest my soulmate? How can I stop settling for ephemeral relationships just because it's the best thing I can get? And how can I manifest? someone who is my partner in life. This week on the podcast, we're talking about how to heal toxic gay relationships and the path to attracting your soulmate. We're gonna talk about the divine union, how to prepare our energy to attract a fulfilling relationship, how to find balance between masculine and feminine energy within a gay relationship, and how this is different as compared to straight relationships ways of healing within a relationship and also ways of healing when we are single, we're gonna talk about why so many gay relationships are toxic, what the reasons are behind that and what we can do to overcome that, to let it go in a very conscious, deliberate way. My guest this week is Dr. Cameron Martin, who is a self-realization teacher, coach and astrologer. Let me read you a little bit about Cameron. He works with spiritually awakening humans who are hungry to know their life's purpose. His purpose is to help others, regardless of where they are on their personal spiritual journey, to finally discover their soul's mission and live fully aligned with their higher self, so they can experience a life of clarity, passion and fulfillment. When you're done listening to the episode, make sure to reach out to us privately on Instagram at Lizos and at and Purpose and let us know what you thought about the episode or any comments you have about it. We're always happy to hear from you and to take your recommendations as well. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate and review, as that's going to be really helpful in attracting more people to our community. And I'm so excited for you to tune in and listen to this episode. Let's get started. Hello, Cameron. How are you? doing well how are you i am well how is hawaii beautiful but
1: it's nighttime over here <laughs> so it's
0: nighttime I, I love that we're both living the island life just a different type of island life you're in hawaii i'm in cyprus right across the world we have like two 12 hours difference literally yes So I'm so excited to do this episode together. You basically got in touch with me after releasing my first episode of Can't Host. And you were like, how about we talk about the divine union between gay relationships and how this plays out and how the divine masculine and the divine feminine energies, they blend together in a gay relationship. And I thought, what an amazing topic to discuss, because a lot of the conversation around the divine union is centered around uh, heterosexual couples, and it's a very heteronormative kind of situation. So I thought, hmm, how does it play out in in gay relationships? So I wanted to start this conversation by first defining our terms, uh, and also divine union. It means different things for different people. It's, it's it became popularized uh, in the twin flame kind of theory. But I want to hear your perspective as to what is the divine union, because I also have a perspective that's kind of different from the twin flame approach.
1: Yeah, so I just think this topic is like super interesting. And it's something that i not hearing about. So I'm glad that you're you want to have this conversation with me. And I'm glad that your listeners will be able to hear it as well. Yes, I've heard the twin flame thing. Yes, you hear about divine union, you hear about the divine feminines doing this and the divine masculines doing that all over social media and things like that. And it's helpful. But you know, I have many friends that are male, and I have many friends that are female. And, you know, they might talk about this. And it's interesting how I've sort of been pigeonholed, perhaps, into like the divine feminine, uh, mostly because of the nature of the work that I do as a spiritual teacher and because I do so much of my own inner healing, etc. cetera. But the question you really asked is, what is a divine union? And so that's a great one to start with. For me, as I understand divine union, this is... Honestly, a pairing of souls that have chosen to come together, created, you know, a contract or whatever to do uh, important work on this planet. So two souls that come together in union to either create a third energy that has an impact on the world, or actually that the two of them come together to help each other heal and grow and evolve. Because really this whole thing is about evolution. This whole thing is about growing in partnership and so that's how I understand divine union, maybe perhaps more generically.
0: Yes, it is the two souls coming together to fulfill a contract. And let's talk a little bit about these contracts, because we all come into this world. I mean, depending on each person's spiritual beliefs, we come with certain understanding as to the kind of relationships and the kind of lessons we want to experience. So the way that I teach about it in my work is that we have this soul group that includes, let's say, for example, 70 souls. I'm just throwing up a number there. And then we take on different roles in each other's lives, lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, taking different roles and dynamics to create opportunities for each other's growth. So let's say, for example, I decide that I'm gonna have, my mother will be my mother in this lifetime, but in the next lifetime, she's gonna be, I don't know, my father or something else. Then we, we create these opportunities for change and for healing and for growth. In the case of romantic relationships, then we have these souls that we incarnate together and we take on different roles to grow together romantically as well. And the divine union is essentially a contract that we fulfill where we we come together to merge together two different souls coming together to create something new, as you said, to uh, create this these new kind of relationship that allows both people to learn lessons, to learn assignments, and therefore grow on their soul's journey of ascension. Now the twin flame theory talks about one soul being split into two bodies and they're trying to find each other. And they personally, I'm not buying into this. I buy into the Me dynamic. <laughs> I don't I find this a very codependent kind of theory. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely it
1: is. Yeah, it totally is.
0: Like what? I only have one person I could be with my entire life. No, I believe we have many soulmates and many contracts and many people we can be with and learn lessons and grow with. The way that I perceive the divine union from an energetic standpoint as well is two people who both have their own balance in masculine and feminine energy. They manage to find their unique set of balance in those two energies within them. And therefore they come together and their balanced self meets and sees the other person's balanced self and they come together to create a new kind of balance. But if one person is in balance and the other person is balanced, it's not gonna work out. If two people are in balance and they come together, it's not gonna work out. Both of them need to be balanced, come together to create something new, or both of them come together as unbalanced, then they do their inner work And the work they have to do with one another, like dealing with their traumas and limiting beliefs and fears, and then they create something new. But it's this sense of creating a new entity. I'm going to come back to what you just said, creating a new entity that is this relationship, this energetic kind of entity. So what we're talking about here is how do we do this? (laughs) How do we find this balance (laughs) between the divine feminine and the divine masculine within us so that we can attract a much that is also balanced or someone who's willing to do the work with us so we can experience that divine union.
1: Yeah, the energy really just want to like supplement this idea that one plus one is three, right? Like it's two individuals, two souls, complete and whole within themselves that come together to create this third entity, this third energetic structure. I did want to ask you a question, though, because as you were speaking, I wonder if people might be listening. Is there a difference between this and a conscious relationship? Or is this just a form of a conscious relationship? Or maybe that's just being too nitpicky. I'm not sure. But there are plenty of relationships that are super dysfunctional (laughs) that turn out to be really great catalysts for consciousness (laughs) yes and, you know your own spiritual awareness so i do think this is something a little different but it might be it is a form of a conscious relationship and i'm just curious kind of what yes. you're thinking there
0: yes it's essentially what what you're saying to dysfunctional people coming together is what i just said with two imbalanced people essentially dysfunctional mm-hmm. coming together and then because they're willing because they're conscious then they consciously do the inner work needed to find balance and eventually create this divine union. So I think there are many paths to get there, but what's important is being conscious about it and therefore being conscious around your own fears, your own limiting beliefs, your own dysfunction <laughs> so that you can do the work needed to find the balance within yourself so that you can find the balance within the relationship as well. So if I were to bring these two terms together the way I see it is being conscious is the journey of leading to the solution which is a divine union
1: okay i like it I'll makes buy it. sense right
0: <laughs> <laughs> so shall we talk about the differences between because whenever i start talking about divine feminine divine fem and masculine energy people are like oh how is this connected to sex or gender or sexuality and there is a huge confusion between these terms so let's define the terms so that we know what we're talking about so we have sex which is biological it can be male female, intersex, et cetera. We have gender, which is social. It's man, woman, non-binary, et cetera. We have sexuality, which is again, biological, gay, bi, queer, et cetera. And then we have the energies, the divine masculine and the divine feminine energies that exist in all of these domains, in all of life. The universe is made up of these two kind of energies. I have my definitions of these energies, but I want to hear from you. How would you define masculine and feminine energy?
1: So, when I think about the masculine energy, it's the energy of doing, of effort, of I actually almost use the word creation, but I think that that's incorrect. I think that's actually more of the feminine. But when I think of masculine, I think of the action, uh, the activity, maybe even holding space is actually, I believe, a divinely masculine thing to do. Like that is the essence of the masculine, to hold a container, to create the space, you know, strength for sure. And when I think of the feminine, it's the receiving, the allowing, I'm going to now say creation because now I'm thinking of the womb. Yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, the, yes, uh, perhaps more emotion, sensitivity, that kind of thing. But it's interesting inside the spiritual communities, perhaps because most people on spiritual paths, at least to say they're committed to it or whatever, are female, <laughs> like in female bodies, biologically, and are perhaps connected more feminine, well, a feminine essence. And so it's almost easier to define the divine feminine. It's the receiving, it's the allowing, it's the flowing, it's the it's the emotional energy, it's the receptivity, right? The nature within each of us. I almost feel like it's harder to divine define to the divine masculine because we don't have a majority of men talking about what that even looks like. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you know what? The reason it's hard to define the divine masculine is because we are living the the toxic masculine. We've we've been living in a toxically masculine society for thousands of years, for as long as patriarchy has been the dominant system, that whereas masculine energy had been has been abused and feminine energy has been victimized essentially. And and therefore in the spiritual community right now rightfully so there is this this wave of just focusing on the feminine and helping the feminine be seen more because the masculine has been abused but something that i taught and still do teach but i wrote about in my book light workers gotta work is that for the divine feminine to truly rise the divine masculine needs to rise as well because they are two sides of the exact same coin and the reason you used terms and and descriptive words to define both is because when the divine masculine is divine (laughs) and it's not toxic masculinity, and when the divine feminine is divine and it's not toxic femininity, they share each other's qualities because they are balanced. They hold one another in their own energy. So the divine masculine can also be creative and it can also hold space and it can also like be receptive And the divine feminine can be creative, again, create and and direct and and take action if it's balanced. So it's nice to to blend the boundaries between these two terms, because yes, we like defining things into binaries because we are human beings and we like categorizing things, but that's not how the universe works. Energy is all interconnected. And of course it's, it's important to define these terms because it helps us understand them and relate to them better but also understand that definitions have their limitations. So like you said, the way that I define masculine energy, divine masculine, it's the energy that directs and expresses. It creates a framework and a plan of action. It directs the action taking required to create things. And then feminine energy is all about receiving instructions and making sense of them and creating the space and doing the generating work of bringing something to life. And when you we combine them together, the masculine energy directs the energy of creation, and feminine energy is the womb that births them out into the world. And the way this manifests in, in relationships is interesting and in sex, because uh, right before we started, you, t- you told me you had just listened to the first, the second episode of, of the podcast all about tops and bottoms. And that's how we've defined, we've put ourselves into these limiting boxes as gay guys of I'm a top and I'm a bottom and therefore I have more masculine energy or I have more feminine energy. And we take on these roles and sometimes don't allow ourselves to grow past them because we assign these limiting identities to them and we allow the way that straight couples have defined these roles to affect us, but we are different. Yes, with men and women, they, men, straight men, they may have more masculine energy within them than feminine energy, and women may have more feminine than masculine energy, and therefore it makes sense for them in, in, in sex to one be the dominant and the other one to be the, the receptive and the passive, but for us it's different because we have both energies. <laughs> And yes, we are men, but at the same time, we have our feminine energy activated. So how do these two energies coexist? And what do they create when they come together? So let's talk about this. Let's talk about this divine union in sex. (laughs) How do you perceive it? Yeah, well, there's many layers to this. Um, The first,
1: I think, I really want to like talk about is the identity or identifying with feminine and masculine, because this is in my experience as a gay man, perhaps the most challenging experience of my life to accept that number one, I am gay, but then what does that mean? Right. And so when I was a teenager and I knew this, it was in my mind, this definition meant you were more feminine you spoke in a more feminine way and to be honest with you as i hear this it's like this negative experience because i'm less of a man or less masculine or something and i imagine this is probably an experience of every gay man to balance what is you know their own masculinity right And so that doesn't go away in this conversation about divinity or divine masculine or divine feminine, because that identity and the struggle of your one's own identity, I think is maybe first a ground level to consider and look at here. You know, I think inside the community, I know many men who, when they come out, maybe polarize towards one way or the other could be exceptionally effeminate or perhaps even very toxically masculine themselves and homophobic. And perhaps I swung in that direction at one point (laughs) or attempted to for myself. And so that could be one's authentic expression, of course, to be very effeminate or to be very masculine. However, the polarizing, I think, happens mostly because of this almost desire not to accept whatever this means to be gay. And so As you have this greater polarizing with the experience of being gay at a a younger or earlier stage, it's interesting to consider what that looks like when one is perhaps in a more conscious state of their evolution in relationships. And what I mean by that is perhaps they've had a spiritual awakening or perhaps they're on a spiritual path or perhaps they understand they've been doing the healing and releasing of their traumas and they've realized, yeah, there's something else I'd like to create for myself. And so when you're there thinking about maybe a union that is divine, not just one that matters to them or that is conscious or is healthier, because goodness knows gay relationships are notoriously not healthy uh, for many, many reasons, <laughs> perhaps some yeah. of them I just described. But okay, so you get to this place in your own conscious evolution where are like, yeah, I want to call in uh, you know, this being who would be a counterpart, someone I want to create that third energy with, right? And then you're sort of hit with almost the same themes again, which is what's feminine in you, what's masculine in you. And you know, even the conversation of the divine union, particularly in the spiritual community, I perceive as very binary always. It's like the divine feminine's doing this, the divine masculine is doing that. And this is what it means to balance the feminine within you and to balance the masculine within you, except as you rightfully already mentioned. This isn't about duality. It's actually about transcending duality. It's about these two coming into balance within one person. And so the union can actually form and come together. But the thing is, inside the I see, as I perceive inside the spiritual community, is this essentially heteronormative experience of what it looks like to be in a relationship imposed on this idea of divine relationship, which is just some version of, I don't know, spiritual ego or goodness knows what, or our conditioning to what we think it looks like. But if we come really to the understanding of divine union as about balance, right? Balance within yourself, that essentially has to happen in order for the union to come together, then yeah, I see this, the lesson of balancing the feminine and the masculine within myself, learning what parts of myself will I accept or parts of myself will I not. Essentially, these are the lessons toward divine union.
0: The way that gay relationship work is not the same way that heteron- heterosexual relationships work, in the sense that we don't have a certain kind of role we are meant to play. in in a sexual relationship. And in a relationship in general, it doesn't have to be just about sex in the way we relate with one another. Whereas with with heterosexual couples, they tend to have a more rigid kind of binary between who's the top and who's the bottom, but with us it's different and also who's dominant and who's not. But at the same time, it's changing within the straight couples as well because they also switch roles (laughs) and their energetic balance in both sex and in their relationships and in the dynamics they have socially like in in their relationship
1: and you've got a lot of women in the world who are very much in the masculine in their relationships and have to be because a lot of their men are actually lit in the feminine
0: Exactly, and i don't mean of a
1: divine way like actually very imbalanced in both so these
0: binaries are not working for any group of people. It's just binaries that we've created for some reason, and we let them dictate our lives and our sex lives and our relationships. But I want to talk about the the balance of masculine and feminine energy within us. Like you said, I believe we all have a balance of these energies within us, and we have a naturally set balance that's unique to every single person. For example, I may have naturally my default, my my factory settings could be 60% divine masculine and then 40% divine feminine. It doesn't mean that's just set this way, it also changes. But it means that I may have a proclivity towards one direction, I'm skewed towards one direction and that's my authentic nature. So for the gays who are extremely feminine or just feminine, very feminine, or more masculine, that could be their authentic self. It's just how they were made. But what I see is happening, and you touched on this as well, is sometimes we go to extremes that are inauthentic. And that's a trauma response. That comes from the shame we've been through collectively and personally as a gay community, where we're growing up and we're being told Uh, that what we are, who we are is wrong and we have to change that. So we are taught from a very young age to shame our feminine side or our masculine side. And this is expressed in different ways for different people. For example, in my experience, as soon as I came out of the closet, I went through a phase of expressing my feminine energy more and being very feminine because for the years that I was forced to repress it being forced to repress it for so long, finally coming out, I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to hide it anymore. And therefore I go to another extreme. It's a trauma response. It's me trying to balance the scale essentially and express something that was repressed. It was a phase. And then eventually I came into my balance, which is whatever percentage that is. Other people, they who have been bullied by overly masculine guys and they, they, they get stuck in that energy and they want to maintain that masculine energy. So... Here you have the mask for mask guys on Grindr. (laughs) It's still a trauma response, but it's the exact opposite, where they're still denying their feminine side 100%. And therefore, they're only focusing on the masculine. So, the gist of it here is the more work we do on healing our traumas, our fears, our limiting beliefs, on becoming conscious, that's why consciousness is the, the, the journey to healing. The more we identify, the ways we've limited ourselves and heal them, the more balanced we become. But that balance is not the same for every single person. And it's not the same for every single relationship. That balance, that percentage changes for person to person. And I believe it changes moment to moment. It changes day by day. There are so many factors that cause this balance of the divine masculine and feminine within us to change. It could be how our, our personality changes, the experiences we're having, where we live, the people we're relating to, and also our partner. Because let's say, for example, I've done all my work. Okay, well, you can never be done completely. Congrats. I've done a you're lot, dead? Yeah, no, no. I've done a lot of my work. Let's just say that. I've dealt with a lot yeah, of the, the shame yeah, and all of that. The work's not done until you die. Otherwise, <laughs> the work eaten. is never done. It even goes before dying. <laughs> So let's say I've done a lot of work and I'm in a really good place where I'm not feeling a lot of this shame anymore. And I found my balance, my my balance of these two energies. And then I meet someone who's also done a lot of the work and they've also found their own balance. And then we come together. I believe that our separate balances of these two energies will still shift and change day by day. And these will be expressed in different ways, relationship-wise and sex-wise. Sometimes one may want to be more top. Someone, the other may want to be more bottom. Sometimes one may wa- want to plan the next trip and the other person just take, just, just be guided. And then it ch- changes around in different aspects of the relationship because the relationship is not just about sex. It's about living together and sharing space and going places and having a common vision. So divine masculine and feminine energy and that balance within each person changes and shifts in all of these domains to create something new, something different, that divine union that we've been talking about. So divine union is in a gay relationship, the way I would would define it now, it's about identifying what, what each partner's unique balance of the divine masculine and feminine energy is like, generally, how this changes day by day and adjusting it moment by moment. It's about breaking away from the stereotypes and expectations of what it is and allowing for something new to be born. Does that make sense? How do you feel about this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sitting with the idea of this flexibility and this flow, right? That depending on a situation, depending on a day, depending on whatever, This balance is going to shift. And not only in the gay relationship, but actually all (laughs) relationships, Yes. whether you're two women, a man and a woman, or none of those identifiers, it's like it shifts. In fact, and like as I mentioned, I know many women who are very much in a masculine role because they're almost forced into it because of, well, here's the piece that I'm really sitting with is the idea of polarity, right? Inside of a relationship, there is polarity. Uh, there has to be, or there wouldn't be any attraction. So they say opposites attract, and, and this is somewhat true, or not somewhat. It is true. So inside of the relationship, there has to be polarity. But it's interesting to consider what well, two people are, I'm air quoting, I know you guys all can't see me, balanced. <laughs> yes. um, there are still polarities at play, because when those two energies come together, what gets triggered? What gets supported, what gets denied, um, you know, whatever, inside of the own their balances, you're playing that game again. what is the polarity? And there isn't it, there is a polarity because that's what the attraction comes from. <laughs> but what is the polarity? And it honestly, it's fluid.
0: It's fluid. Especially
1: in a person who has actually, in a person, I'm not talking about a gay man, any person who has truly balanced the masculine and feminine within themselves, then inside of a union, as long as their partner has done the same, then it would be fluid.
0: Yeah. And you know what, I think that a lot of what we're just talking about that also applies to straight couples. I think they've also limited themselves in many ways. I mean, we're limiting ourselves based on their limiting stereotypes (laughs) because they have been dominant for so long, but this is not serving anyone because we all have both energies and we can all balance those energies. And when we balance those energies and find our unique authentic balance, then relationships work so much better. And it all comes down to what you said in the beginning, being in a conscious relationship, meaning moment by moment being mindful, what's coming up, what's triggering me? Because triggers are the doorways to our traumas. What's triggering me? What's coming up here? What's arising within me? What can I do to resolve this feeling? What's creating it so that I can heal and so that I can find more of that authentic balance, which will help create an even better relationship than the one I am right now.
1: There's a piece in this uh, conversation though that I'm sort of sitting with that I'm wondering if anyone's thinking about out there because this has been a thing for me. It's like, okay, cool. Then what's my plan of action? Very masculine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to heal, feel my trauma, feel my emotions. Very feminine, right? But like, okay, my action is I got to come into balance with myself if I want my partner to be able to come into my life. Yeah? Yes. But then that puts you in another pigeonhole where it's like, okay, any expectation that you would be completely balanced and totally healed within yourself, well, then actually your relationship wouldn't be necessary.
0: Yes. Why would you even
1: have a partner to be a mirror for you to show other layers of your consciousness, your, your traumas, your whatever? The partner is there not just to make you happy. In fact, that's not why they're there. <laughs> they're there to... To help you grow in your consciousness, to grow in your spiritual awareness, right? So yes, the idea of balance is so necessary, but I just want to point, like, don't pigeon your, not you, but listeners and myself, I'm talking to myself right now, like don't pigeon yourself to this idea that I have to be totally balanced, or I'm not going to find my prince charming, or I'm not going to find my person because that's also not true because there would be polarity to bring the two of you together.
0: Exactly. And there's some of this other quote that there's so much work you can do alone. Like you do a lot of the work with other people, including a partner. So and there are many, many roads that lead to Rome, (laughs) many roads that lead to the same destination. So wherever you are, if you're conscious, if you're mindful of who's coming up and who, the, the the relationship assignment you have at the time, then if you follow that assignment, if you complete that assignment, it's going to lead you to the next one and the next one and the next one. And you may find divine union in many of those assignments, which brings me to this lesson that I that. I've always believed in when it comes to relationships. It's it's from A Course in Miracles. It's that relationships are assignments, that people come into your life so you can learn something. And an assignment can last a night, a day, a week, a month, or an entire lifetime. It really depends on what contracts you've made with that person before you were born or whatever you're attracting and manifesting in your life right here, right now. And your willingness to do the work with that person and also your own work within that relationship, within that assignment to find whatever balance that, that helps you find within that assignment and find whatever divine union or level of divine unions you, you're meant to find within that relationship because I guess there are, there are deeper types of divine unions you can find because the more you grow and the more you learn, the more depth you can experience of who you are of what love is, of what a relationship will look like. So now we're taking these to the the next level, (laughs) levels of divine unions.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, we're just adding more constructs to it. But I'm like sitting here smiling. I almost want to laugh because my uh, lessons must have been really quick. (laughs) Or (laughs) tend to be really quick. (laughs) Oh, Uh, trust me, mine too. They tend not to last (laughs) too long. But it's interesting. And there's a piece though. That for those that are listening, and I'm really reflecting here too, I'm almost like, well, okay, well, my lessons must have been quick or like, yeah, that guy was coming gone in a week and like, oh, that was just a couple of days or, oh, it was a month and a half and I fell for him and blah, 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 whatever. But I've spent the last, you know, four years single, alone, whatever that case may be. And you might be asking the question, well, how the heck am I learning lessons in divine union? Well, without a partner. And the truth is, you can and do, (laughs) because it's about finding that balance within yourself. If your soul needs to have the mirror of another being, then okay, from your perspective of conscious awareness, uh, you're going to attract someone into your experience that triggers you teaching you something, trauma, pain, or joy, or whatever. (laughs) It's all good. Uh, or if it's not necessary you actually might be doing this work on your own by yourself and not in union so for those of you out there who are who might identify as spiritual and gay and you know maybe even conscious and like really wanting to heal yourself and do that and also sitting there scratching your head going but I'm single <laughs> and I have been single and what if I'm not traumatized if I'm balanced why can't I find my person <laughs>
0: We're both single having this conversation right now and we're doing the work right here, right now, essentially, because it, it, we, you don't have to be in a relationship. That's Again, it's me reflecting to myself and then also like telling myself, we don't have to be in a relationship to do the work. It's all about timing. And I'm actually, I'm going to do an episode about the reasons I'm single and that have been single because many people look down on single people because there, there's so much out there in the media, and it's all about relationships, 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 families, and all of that. But how about single people? Like, why are we being ignored? <laughs> and why are we made, being made to feel like there's something wrong with us? No, there's nothing wrong with us. We all have our own different paths. And we all have different lessons to learn. If I were in a relationship, Five years ago, it would have been a hell of a toxic relationship because a l- big parts of myself were not healed. I was not balanced. It would have been disastrous. So looking back, I'm like, thank goodness I was not in a relationship earlier because I wouldn't have been able to deal with it. I'm going to give you an example of, of something that I consider was a problem and it turned out to be a blessing for me, which was my first ever boyfriend, teenagers. I was 17. And then it was just right after I came out of the closet, I'm like, we exchanged our I love you's really fast as you do when you're a teenager. And then a month later, he took his I love you back. So it brought me back to all the hurt and the bullying and the rejection that I was already going through throughout my life. And it hurt me and it wounded me on a very deep level to the point that it took me seven freaking years. To get over him. And now he's one of my best friends. And I'm actually going to see him next week when I go to London. So, assignments are there and it's what you do with them. And for this person, it was a seven year journey and an assignment for me to learn to not need someone's love to feel loved. It taught me self love, it taught me to find all the love that I needed within me and to not be codependent on a person. So, I was we- just
1: gonna say to yes. you, this is this lesson of divine union is actually also about transcending codependency.
0: Yes, oh my because god, because in
1: our world, we have most relationships on this planet are codependent, and most yes. people are totally unconscious of this, and they believe that if you really love someone. That, you know, you bend over backwards and you make sure they're good and blah, all of this. Our our ways of relating to one another are really codependent. And yet, to transcend codependence, there is a, well, you need to stand on your own. So being on your own and being single is actually quite a superpower in that. And, you know, I really do believe that divine unions aren't going to come together if codependency is... Still at play because it's a low or perhaps a shadow aspect of relating. Because codependency is about, I need something from you. I am not whole and complete in myself. And look, this is a major lesson in my lifetime about codependency. Yes. From every relationship I have ever been in, where it was like, oh, yeah, I want this. Or, you know, two weeks in, I'm like madly in love or, you know, whatever it might be. And then when he breaks up with me, he's like, oh, no you got it wrong. Cause this is the pattern. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, then you're like crushed again and again. And it was actually until this year where, um, the universe talk about soul contracts and stuff. Two men came into my life to teach me both extremes, both polarities of this codependency pattern that I have been healing And one was very much of the super codependent and like wanted me and everything. And it was like, Oh my God, no. And then the other one was super dismissive and, you know, and put me in the position of clutching and grabbing for, and, you know, codependency. And yet both were beautiful lessons of like, Oh yeah, this is the pattern I see and I know, and I don't want, and I'm choosing not to have. And this is, I believe, perhaps the most challenging, but the most vital lesson in true divine union is overcoming this deeply programmed issue of codependency.
0: Yes, and you wouldn't have been able to recognize this issue with these two men if you hadn't had all these codependent rejections and relationships with with people in the past. That's why I'm saying Uh, there's nothing wrong with being single. There's nothing wrong with relationships being ephemeral because every relationship is an assignment and every single person has different assignments. Some people, they're meant to marry their high school sweetheart. Other people, they're meant to be single their entire lives and then meet their partner then. Other people, sometimes they may have sole contracts of like short-term relationships and that's it for their entire lives. There's no wrong or right way to do things as long as you're being conscious and you're not comparing yourself because comparison is what kills relationships in many ways because we we see what's out there and we expect ourselves to fit into other people's stereotypes. But first of all, we're gay because we chose to come into this life to be different from everybody else. So when I want to finish this conversation to touch on this a little bit. It's a whole different episode, but I want to touch on it because uh, it brings it all together. Like what is a collective purpose of a gay soul? Why are we born gay? Why did we choose to be born gay? How would you answer this question?
1: Yeah, I was going to say this is like a, um, we probably should have a retreat. Like this is a week long <laughs> thing to like uh, unpack. But there are many lessons, I think, in the experience of being gay. I mean, I'll speak from my own experience of certainly self-acceptance, going against the grain, but honoring yourself. Those are certainly very obvious. But there's, I do believe there are other lessons that are very much about balancing the feminine and masculine. And bear with me, especially those gay men listening who are very effeminate, and you like that, and that's fine, that's who you are, or the men that are very masculine, and maybe even hyper masculine, and you know, whatever, that's fine. I think one of the lessons coming through the gay collective has to do with balancing this energy of the masculine and feminine of seeing that a man can be both strong and emotionally secure. A man can be you know, uh, someone who takes action and can be relied upon and can also cry or, or receive someone or hold space when there's emotional things going on or whatever the case may be. It's interesting. I see this and I would love to hear what people think uh, about this, but I see collectively, you know, the lessons of self-acceptance. Yes, I think that's like the LGBT QIA plus communities lesson is self-acceptance. But I think there's something particularly interesting with a gay man or the identity of a gay man, because as you mentioned, our planet is very toxically masculine, has been for thousands of years. And as we move into a new age, as we move into an age of light, as we move toward the fifth dimension, whatever people are resonating with what I'm saying here then our planet is has first of all has to balance out this toxic masculinity period it's part of our evolution which means the future is much more feminine than what we know now now i'm hoping that the pendulum doesn't swing completely in the opposite direction because there are issues (laughs) with beings you know overly feminine too and civilizations can collapse for that reason i think one of the lessons. Collectively, of gay men, or perhaps not the lesson so much as one of the things that we're doing to serve collectively has to do with, I believe, bridge building between this masculine sort of way of being that is how the world functions and the future, which I believe is divinely feminine, much more feminine than what we see. And so, as gay men in particular embody the masculine and embody the emotional sensitivity of the feminine as well. And so they're actually bridge builders, the way that I see this between the past and what will be. You know, I hate to say it like this because I do think we could go and talk about privilege here, but I think it's more responsibility, frankly. But to be male is still more privileged. Like, look, I can make more money. <laughs> this is true. Like yeah. in business, leadership, all this sort of stuff. The male is still privileged. However, if a male embodies more of his feminine principles, he can be a bridge builder toward a future that is much more yes. divinely feminine. And I'm not saying that all gay men are doing this because for certain they're not. But I do see this as an archetype that's playing out. I mean, I've read articles and research studies about how like, gay men are actually more effective leaders. And by both women and men, uh, they're more you know, sensitive, but they also have the masculine, essentially what I'm talking about is this balance, right? That there's a balance point. So I think it's the opportunity that the gay male archetype is afforded in the world that we live in today. Now, is every gay man being this bridge? Well, no. And if you're not doing your work and if you're not healing, then of course you're not contributing to that necessarily. But I do think that it's a, it's an underlying thing. I could say it like this, the future Will be more feminine, but in the meantime, it'll be more gay.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love it, and I love the, this visual of the bridge that we are. This bridge, and by the, by the way, I want to clarify something on the question of why does a gay soul chooses to to manifest as gay? This is not to be confused with oh, are we? Do we choose to be gay? I'm talking from a spiritual perspective. Before we are born, a soul chooses. Okay, I'm gonna be born gay in this lifetime, but of course, we are born gay rather than choose to be gay, when you think about it from a 3D perspective, but when you think about it from a spiritual perspective, it's the soul choosing to be born in a gay way. I just wanted to clarify this because I can hear guys thinking, are you saying we we, we chose to be gay? I'm I'm not saying that. I'm
1: glad you said that because uh, I I missed it. But yes, because I'm in the space of, you know, I'm an astrologer and I believe very strongly that the soul, you are a soul that came into a body And you said, I'm going to come to earth. I'm going to have this body. I'm going to do this thing. But you, your essence is a non-physical soul being. That being that you are did choose to come here and set up a life for yourself. And your chart actually shows that blueprint. But having said that, that's the soul's choice. You, your consciousness inside your body didn't choose to be gay. Exactly. You, You were born that way. I would say from a soul perspective, because there's a piece that's really resonating for me. From a soul's perspective, so this is not my ego talking because it doesn't make any sense for an ego to talk like this. But from a soul perspective, the best choice I made in this life was to be gay. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about my mind. This is not the ego that's speaking. The soul that is, you know, controlling this avatar named Cameron Immaterial, whatever.
0: genderless, sexless. Yeah. Yes.
1: That soul, my soul, me, my being, chose this experience of being in a male form and being gay. And for much of my life, I hated it. Oh my God, I like this is the worst. But I'm going to tell you, it was the greatest gift that I ever set up for myself because it was my ticket to my spiritual awakening. Mm. It was like my soul said, oh, I'm going to go on to planet Earth and I want to make certain that I'm going to wake up. At some point, okay, well, why don't you just be gay? Go play that again, deal with those dynamics, discover who you are, hate who you are, get to the depths and the darkness of it. You know, all of this that means to be gay, this identity crisis, all of it. Get there so that you would discover who you truly are. It was almost like my soul knew, yep, I want this experience because I'm going to guarantee that I will wake up. And I did. (laughs) And so I look at it now. Now that I've accepted my sexuality as beautiful and perfect and, and, and exactly fine. I mean, the way it is. But from a soul perspective, I'm like, oh, my God, best lesson, best gift, best setup.
0: Exactly. And it, it brings me back to, I mean, I, I 100% agree with you as to why we choose to come in to create this bridge and also to shake things up because there's a lot of sameness in this world. And when we bring something new into the mix, it just shakes things up. It creates new experiences, it creates contrast. And through this contrast, there are opportunities to grow, to mix with one another. It's like the salt that makes the food taste better, essentially. So hattel is for change, bridges for change, bridges for shifting the masculine uh, dominated world into a more balanced world. And I think this brings uh, the episode to a beautiful close. Thank you so much, Cameron, for coming on and, and sharing this conversation with me. I We've taken these on so many different levels, and I loved everything that came through. Please let everyone know where they can get in touch with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel the exact same way. So thank you for the opportunity. This is awesome. Um, yeah, you can get in touch with me. Find out more about my work um, by going to my website. That's yourpathandpurpose.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Path and Purpose as well. And as I mentioned before, I am a spiritual coach and astrologer. I have uh, my Cosmic Insight Coaching program is my signature program, really to help spiritually awakening humans to embody their life's purpose so that they can live by their conscious design. If you like this conversation as much as I did with George. <laughs> We can have this with you too. So anyway, you can find out that and information about astrology readings with me at my website too. I would be super happy to connect with you and even hear your thoughts on the episode.
0: Yeah, and all the links will be in the show notes below. Make sure to send us a DM on Instagram and let us know how you enjoyed this episode. I am at George Lizas uh, and... Path and purpose. Perfect. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any insights or a story to share, message me on Instagram at georgelizos and tell me all about it. I would love to hear from you.